Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Power Half Hour on the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko and my co-host on the West Coast, he is at Chad Smart. Hello, Chad. Welcome to another week on planet Earth. Hello. Yeah, I, I kept stepping all over you. I was not expecting you to add so many words to the end of your sentence there, Greg. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well. I am, uh, you know, I, it, it's been a good weekend. Over the weekend, I, uh, a friend of mine gave me a VHS copy of the original Broadway cast of Cats. I'm sorry. So, got that to look forward to at some point in the next 18 months of lockdown. Well, let me and, ask you this. Uh, while yeah. We're- While we're talking about original Broadway productions, are you excited for Hamilton coming to Disney Plus on July 3rd? I am not so much because I think I've never seen Hamilton. I've never listened to Hamilton. Same. I think Hamilton is too popular for me to like now. And so I will just be like, okay, what's the big deal with this? I don't get it. It's fine, but I don't know why everybody's going crazy about it. Like Tiger But I will probably watch it, it, Hamilton is the Tiger King of Broadway productions. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. That's a good uh, – because, yeah, Tiger King, I you said you have not watched either, right? Correct. You know, we I caught hell yeah. for that. Yeah, I um, never watched I, – I, I don't even know how Tiger King came to be and, like, blew up so quickly. And then I just uh, – because we were all stuck at home, Chad, and we had no other option. It was watch. This is this. These were our options, and I think the bulk of America chose poorly. You could watch Tiger King, or you could watch The Office again. And I chose The Office, and the rest of the world, aside from you, apparently chose Tiger King, and uh, we're all a little worse for it. But I, my curiosity is, who decided that that series needed to be made? And who decided mm-hmm. that there was enough of a story there that, oh, let's follow them around with cameras for three weeks, six months, whatever that time period. I, again, I don't know. I don't. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know the memes, and I know for some reason there's going to be a TV show with Nick Cage apparently playing the main Tiger King guy, but <laughs> the, I will not watch that either. Why do so. we – why within – Let's see. I think that launched, you know, as far as, you know, or I think it launched or debuted on Netflix in the end of March of 2020. So we're at the end of June. So three months later, how is it that within three months of a reality show dropping, was it decided that we need a scripted narrative show based on that reality show and we're going to get it started? You know, we're going to green light that within three months of the reality. None, something it seems off about this entire thing to me. You know, at least they're not uh, taking Twitter feeds anymore. Like they did with William Shatner's stuff. My dad says that's true, but, but still, yes. Why do we need a fictionalized version of a real story that we don't even need to begin with? So, but that's just me and you, you and I correct grammar uh, or you and me even corrector grammar. Just being old guys yelling at clouds, not understanding what these new hip kids are are into. All those cool cats and kittens or whatever the hell it is. So let's turn the page and talk about something that we do enjoy, we do appreciate. And this week, Chad, you brought another terrific topic, and it is our favorite bands. 
that we appreciated and enjoyed both uh, growing up to now. It's not a top five, no, no. It's just a friendly conversation with possibly some uh, audio clips interweaved throughout. Yeah, you know, I was sitting here on, on Sunday going, I can either watch Cats or I can think of a topic to discuss this week. And watching Cats meant that I had to hook up the VHS player. So coming up with an idea just meant I could continue lying on the couch. And, uh, yeah, I was trying to come up with something. I was trying to think of events that have happened over the last 20 years that we could talk about. And uh, the best I could come up with is just talking about our bands, because I know we talked about our first concert experiences, mm-hmm. but I'm curious to find out your, you know, more about your musical taste and the bands that you like and try to figure out like, and well, not figure out, but find out how you came to be a fan of that band or artist. So that's where we're going. All right. Well, since you, uh, I'm going to uh, defer to age, and I'm going to let you start us off, Chad. Well, if you listen to the Wonder Why podcast. Oh, I do. At Positive Cynicism Podcasting Network, we, um, we have talked a lot on that show about how influential MTV was when we were growing up in our younger days. And, and as far as discovering new music, because you would watch that for hours on end and you, know, you might see a new band. And I remember when I was 12 years old, I came home, I had a paper out. So I would come home from school while I'm getting the papers ready. I would throw on MTV, you know, for like 10, 15 minutes. And at the time I was also a huge horror movie fan. Uh, it's kind of ironic because I don't watch horror films today, but one of my favorites growing up in the 80s was Friday the 13th. And in 1986, the sixth edition episode, sequel, however you want to look at it, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives was coming out. And MTV was showing a video by an artist that I was not familiar with. And it's like the only time outside of a special Halloween episode of Headbangers Ball that, they, that I saw this video. And it was the song, He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask, the unofficial theme song of Friday the 13th Part 6, by a little, um, you know, conservative rocker named Alice Cooper. And I immediately went, this is the greatest song ever. This is the greatest video ever. And a couple weeks later, I got the invite in the mail to join the Columbia House Cassette Tape Club. And one of my selections was was the alice cooper album constrictor featuring said song and from there i just became a complete alice cooper fanatic uh collected all this back sack stuff i've seen him in concert i believe 11 times at this point and had tickets to see him at the end of may and, and unfortunately it was canceled due to the lockdown um hopefully he'll reschedule for next year we'll be able to see him but yeah so my top favorite favorite artist I guess of all time, it has been Alice Cooper. My first, this might probably, probably will not surprise you, but my first uh, memory of Alice Cooper was Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, I, again, I don't think yeah, that's going to shock some... anybody of anybody of my generation. I don't think that they're going to find, you know, if unless they were deep diving into Headbangers Ball in, you know, the early '90s, which I was, and I think we've established that I really didn't watch MTV even in its heyday. Uh, so yeah, that was you know, like, oh cool, that's yeah. and then of course one of the first songs on the epic uh, in the epic film epic soundtrack of Dazed and Confused was "Schools Out for the Summer." So um, you know, and obviously. A category or a, or a, a discography, a library that goes far beyond, you know, the that very mainstream popular song. Uh, and so, what what is you? Do you have a singular Alice Cooper favorite song? Well, I have a favorite album, and that is the From the Inside album, which he wrote after going into uh, a sanitarium for his alcohol addiction. And the album is made up of songs about characters that he says he encountered in, in said sanitarium. And I guess this is before the days of the Betty Ford Clinic, mm. clinic or, you know, the uh, fancy rehab places that we have now. And, and so it's basically like being in a mental institution. And if you have, I think, any streaming service, if you, uh, there's a channel called Tubi, T-U-B-I, and they have the Strange Case of Alice Cooper, which is the tour concert film from the From the Inside album, and it's uh, it's pretty interesting because you know the, the first song from the Inside talks about the alcohol addiction, and so he has a um, dancing liquor bottle up on stage with him. But my favorite song off of that album is a song called "The Quiet Room," which is all about a guy being locked in a padded room who um, you know is think he is very suicidal. So you can do a clinical study on me and try to figure out what that means. Might be my favorite song, but yeah, a lot of my favorite songs of his are the slower stuff. Um, and you mentioned Wayne's World, the song that he does in that movie, "Feed My Frankenstein," is probably one of my least favorite Alice Cooper songs. Is it? Um, is it like a? I, 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 don't, I don't know if. The, go ahead. I was just going to ask if it's if it's a a sign of you know the uh, the quote unquote true fans. If they love, you know, like the the deep cuts, the 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 you know B sides more than the radio hits, you know, like anybody can like the stuff that they hear on the radio, but you don't really love the band if right. all you hear is the stuff you hear on the radio. You gotta you gotta go deep, man. You gotta you gotta find that uh, you know bootleg, you know, cassette from the the seventy six show in Boise, Idaho, or something, man. That's uh. That that that's why you know you're a true fan, man. No, I don't think it's that way with Alice, but I will say that having seen him as many times as I have, I never need to hear "I'm 18, School's Out," "No More Mr. Nice Guy," uh, "Billion Dollar Babies" again. I'm like, give me, and I, I like the fact that when he does go out on tour, he brings in about two or three songs that are deep cuts that are there for the fans. I remember the first time that I saw him in '98. He, um, he did a song called Hallow of Flies or Halo of Flies. And he started off like by saying, if you know this song, you're too old to be here. <laughs> that was from, I want to say the 1972 album killer. I, 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 my, my Cooper knowledge has deteriorated over the years, but, uh, yeah, uh, the killer album and of course, Billion Dollar Babies, which came out in 72 or 73, is probably like the legendary Alice Cooper album. So if you want a good starting point, I would go with that one. So my first one uh, is uh, also very, 
theatrical in their, and by the way, mine are not in, in a particular way, but it's very theatrical um, in in their stage presence, but the, the music will, uh, I mean, it's considered heavy metal, um, and that would be Mudvayne. I okay. I came across Mudvayne. First of all, they're Peoria, Illinois band. Um, so I always thought that that was cool because like I'm from Illinois and they're from Illinois, so we should know each other, man. Uh, we don't know e- each other. Um, but I saw them, and I uh, explained this in my first or in our uh, first concerts episode. They were part of that show down in St. Louis that I went to, but. Uh, you know, with with a lot of the bands that that I like, uh, not all of them, but but a lot of them, the ones that I've had, you know, continued vested interest in, uh, you know, friends who I have, you know, hung out with for years, give me turned on to to a, a particular band. So, so I first came across Mudvayne in two thousand one. That was the year of the concert that I saw. Um, I even had a VHS, speaking of VHSs, of their uh, live dosage LD50 live in Peoria uh, concert, which was, I think it was their last live show before they really blew up big. And, I, you know, it was, it was officially licensed. It might have been, you know, done by the uh, record label or something like that. But I, I... And here's the thing, I, this is going to sound bad, but they're one of my, they're a band that I can always put on and enjoy the music up, up to a certain point. Um, that not, I think at some point, I don't know if they changed their style too much, you know, but it's like, ah, play, you know, play the hits. But I, you know, all of that debut album, that LD50 album, um, I, I think my favorite album of theirs is their third. I don't know. It's just, it, it's the kind of, if I'm listening to Mudvayne, there's a reason, you know, like I, it's not been a good day and I'm trying to blow off some stream. Um, the, the third album that I mentioned, Lost and Found, their, their second album was The End of All Things to Come. And I bought their fourth album, The New Game. Uh, and that's, uh, that's kind of where I, where I, where I dropped off. Um, again, I, my musical tastes have, have I don't want to say matured. That doesn't I don't want to make it sound any better than anybody else who still likes the same stuff they've l- listened to for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever, but they've changed. Uh so again, like Mudvayne was the stuff that I would listen to, you know, college, uh you know, driving across Nebraska, it it was it was my go-to. And you know, now it's not. You know, I, I've I you know, I've changed. The music's still fine. It's perfectly enjoyable. Yeah, I all I can tell you about Mudvayne is they're from Peoria. Um, I, I because I'm such a huge fan of Alice Cooper in the late '90s, early 2000s, when Marilyn, Marilyn Manson, Mudvayne, um, Slipknot, I say the band mm-hmm. from Iowa. Yep. When it's like, well, they're just doing pale imitations of what Alice has been doing for 30 years. Like, right, and, and I, I figured, up, you know, stop. And and that's why I named them first because I was I was piggybacking on your first uh, um, yeah. name there. But you know, Mudvayne did come out uh, with with a unique look 
that again that too evolved you know they had face paint and spiked hair and things like that uh in that first album uh the second album the end of all things to come in 2002 was more alien appearance and uh lost and found they had kind of gone away from from all those gimmicks entirely so well let's hear your next one chad well anyone who again listens to wonder why this is going to be a huge huge shock that i mentioned this band um again going back to discovering through mtv during i think it was 1989 would have been 89 yes um MTV had a half hour show during the week called Hard 30. I believe if I, again, I hope this is all correct information. I didn't research it, but it it was kind of like Headbangers Ball during the week. So instead of staying up till midnight on Saturday night, they would play bands featured on Headbangers Ball in the afternoon. And for like two weeks straight, every single day, they played this one video. And I was like, this song is amazing. And then still being a member of the Columbia house cassette club. When my next order came in, it was like your featured selection this month is the debut album by extreme. And I'm like, yes, please send this to me as quickly as possible. And so the song that got me into extreme was a song called kid ego. Their first album is very much in line, I would say, with hair metal at that time. People probably know the most, you know, best known for the song More Than Words, which came off their second album, Pornography. But I bet a lot of people didn't realize they had known Extreme prior to that. Because if you have seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and they're doing a little montage through the mall where everybody's destroying the mall and everything, the song being played is the song Play With Me uh, off the first album. And that song, uh, I get it. I, I know nothing. I have no musical talent. So anybody that plays instruments are impresses me already. But Nuno Betancourt, the guitar player for, for Extreme, is extraordinary. And if you listen to Play With Me and the guitar work, it blows me away every time. And when you see him play it in concert, he just like he's yawning. He's like, oh, my gosh. This is you're like, I can't even keep up with your fingers. So uh, extreme. And then, of course, yes, More Than Words came out, made them a huge hit. And that is one song, kind of like with Alice Cooper, that's one song that I don't ever need to hear again. And thankfully, the last few times that I saw them in concert, they just kind of put it in with the medley of other songs. And they are teasing a new album out, hopefully this year. So I have tickets to see them in Boston, or I do have tickets to see them in Boston, um, where they will headline and then Aerosmith will close out the show after them just to give the crowd something to come down to uh, at, at Fenway Park. I'm hoping that show stays on, but we'll see. It's in September. We'll see where we are. Um, yeah, but Extreme is just uh, – I challenge anyone who only knows them from the More Than Words song to actually listen to them because that is not – indicative of their style. I call them the modern day queen because they're just all over the place musically. Third, uh, their third album, three sides to every story is um, in my opinion, a masterpiece. And, and I had the pleasure of interviewing Extreme twice on their 
Waiting for the Punchline tour, which was their last tour for like 12 years until they got back together. And uh, really, guys, and great interview. So, extreme. Solid choice. And again, definitely more than words, not indicative of the rest of their, uh, you know, catalog. One of those where, and correct me if I'm wrong, but another of your podcasts uses an extreme song in its open. Yes. Uh, thanks for mentioning that. Yes, my show, Political Calamity, uh, uses the song Political Calamity off the third, three sides to every story our album. Thankfully, Extreme hasn't listened to it, apparently, because I've not gotten any cease and desist orders. But, uh, hey, maybe they'll listen to this show, hear that, that and, then, and then send me the, the cease and desist. Well, you know, worst case scenario, honestly, is they say, hey, cool, thanks for keeping us in. You know, somebody in, in the back of somebody's mind. Yeah. Um, my number two, and I think time's only going to allow us to do about, you know, two or three each, probably three. My number two came, uh, again, a friend recommendation back in Year of Our Lord 2009. That was also the year of their debut album. They are from across the pond. But it was not your fault but mine. And it was your heart on the line. I really fucked it up this time Didn't I, my dear Didn't I, my dear And I gotta say, for any mood that I'm in I could put on some Mumford & Sons And just relax And, and uh, <laughs> you know, maybe not relax, all right But I, I can just in, enjoy the music Their uh, uh, debut album, uh, Sigh No More uh, came out again in 2009, uh, Babel in 2012, Wildermind 2015. They have a, a live uh, concert, a Road to Red Rocks, which I actually own that DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, Delta came out in 2018, which again, because of several reasons, but we'll just go with, eh, you know, Wildermind was a departure, again, a, a musical departure from uh, uh, from Sinomore and Babel, so I didn't enjoy it here's the thing i understand and appreciate a band's need to evolve their sound i'm not always on board with the evolution uh so, so i haven't gone back and listened to a ton of delta I, i've listened to a little bit here and there i need to give it a full you know the wholehearted effort um but yeah that that's a band that i would love to see live um especially you know back in that 2012 to 2000 excuse me 2014 you know, when, when I was so high on, on those first two albums of theirs that, um, you know, it was uh, Little Lion Man was the first Link YouTube video that a friend of the show, Josh, uh, or friend in life, friend of the show, I don't know if he listens to the Power Half Hour, he should, but he sent me the uh, YouTube video to uh, Little Lion Man, and much to uh, my boss at the times, you know, I don't know, probably not paying attention, I actually snuck uh, their song, The Cave, into rotation at the terrestrial radio station that I was listening to at the time. So, uh, yeah, take that, man. I'm not going to play your Bieber. I'm going to play some Mumford & Sons. It's my another crowning Another band that uh, I I think I know the one hit, that's it. Um, But they have been coming up as a recommendation lately as I've gotten been listening to a lot of folk music. There you go. Maybe I'll check them out. And uh, it, when when Mike, uh, my co-host of the year, Mike Luther from Nerd United, listens to this, he's going to double down on his accusations of me being a hipster. 
Mm. <laughs> so. yeah, as long as you don't have a man bun. A what? A man bun. Oh, I thought you, I, no, definitely. I thought you said a man butt, and I'm like, oh, I got one of those. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't know about that, but yeah, definitely stay away from the man bun. So that's, All right. that's my, we are, uh, we only got about five or so minutes left, Chad, so. Well, uh, we'll make this one quick, and this is, my, my next choice is my lengthiest one, so uh-oh. I'll speed through it. Uh-oh. No, uh, uh, my last choice is probably my favorite artist going today who continually puts out new music, and that is Butch Walker. Somehow I missed Butch in the 90s when he was part of a band called Marvelous 3. And then when he went solo, uh, I think he released his first album, Left of Self Center, in 2001. Uh, I found out about him, bought that album, have bought every album since then. He just came out with an album called American Love Story, which is kind of a, a rock opera, as he describes it. And he is the artist that I will see every time he's playing, no matter where he is, no matter what show. Uh, if he puts on, you know, he plays small clubs here in L.A. He does a charity show every year for his Autumn Leaves Foundation, which is to help people with pancreatic cancer. And I believe... You can find more information out about that at autumnleaves.org or just search Autumn Leaves Charity and I'm sure it will come in. Um, yeah, Butch is, he's just a phenomenal showman and he's the only person that I've seen who can have an entire crowd be completely silent when he's just playing at a piano and because they're so in tune with what he's doing. So if you haven't checked out Butch Walker, I highly recommend his albums, The Spade and Stay Gold. But yeah, Butch Walker, check him out. All right, Butch Walker, check him out. My last one you might actually have heard of, Chad, and I don't mean to say that you obviously haven't heard of Mumford & Sons or Mudvayne. Uh, you are at least passingly uh, hearing those names, but this band was in the same, occupied the same area as you for a, a period of time. They're, they are from an area where you lived and worked. Wow. And I'm not talking about L.A., where a lot of bands come from, but Southern Illinois' very own Revis. Is it real? We're always the same. We're almost unknown now. Well, I was caught in the rain, wasting my time on the ground. Waiting the call of what would you say, and can you come over? Well, I was caught in the rain, wasting my time on the You mean Orco? Shut up. <laughs> uh, Revis, uh, and and look, this one is is a huge time bias. I'll put that on Front Street because I'm I'm pretty good friends with the the front man, lead singer uh, Justin Holman. But uh, they're not together anymore. But their Places for Breathing album, well, in, in my opinion, it, it gets you. Uh, it takes you on so many different you know levels emotionally. Uh, and that's not typically how I discuss, you know, or describe music. Um, they have a song on the Daredevil soundtrack, the movie, not the TV show, the Ben Affleck movie, uh, their song Caught in the Rain. Um, I first heard about them in 2003, again, through mutual friends. Uh, I was, had an opportunity to go down to their CD release party in Carbondale. 
uh, and I believe it was the Copper Dragon. Um, and unfortunately, that night, and especially the fact that I lived much closer to St. Louis, but another friend of mine said, hey, uh, my dad got two tickets to see Seether and Trapped at uh, Pops and Sajay, right across uh, the river from downtown St. Louis. Two free tickets. You, you want to go? And since, you know, as much as I hate to say, you know, that was that was the band I knew versus the band mm-hmm. I didn't. I went that direction. Uh, and, you know, look, I probably wasn't going to be able to go down to Carbondale on a weeknight anyway, uh, but I could make it happen uh, to go see Seether and Trapped. But uh, I've been fortunate enough over the years I've, I've met, you know, the entire band, seen him live a couple of times when they had a little reunion back in, I think, 2010, 11, 12. So I was still working at the radio station, uh, you know, interviewed the band for the radio station. So I guess I saw him live a couple of times, uh, interviewed Justin in depth about Revis and, and uh, you know, the entire thing. It's over on Nerds United, which I'll link in this uh, post on chitterymonkey.com. Just uh, one of... One of my favorite bands, uh, unfortunately, you know, they, came, I don't know if they came along, at the, they came along at a bad time when, uh, the industry and the labels were doing a lot of crazy things. And, and so they fell victim to that. But, uh, um, you know, what can I say? Just enjoyed them and their music thoroughly. And if you haven't heard Revis's Places for Breathing, uh, I, I think you're missing out. You should find it wherever you find fantastic music. And that's my spiel. Real quick, uh, Sajay, Illinois, favorite place of our friends Jason and Tom Skull from the Skullbuster Russell cast. That's and you right. named two two Illinois bands, but you left off the greatest Illinois band of them all. Ario Speedwagon. Ario Speedwagon. And we're out of time. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.